Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Kevin L. Jackson with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Kevin, how you doing today? Hey, it's doing great today, except, uh, you know, a little nip in the air. I tell you, <laughs> this winter is coming fast. Well, hey, here stateside, I welcome it. It's 50, some 55 degrees here in the metro Atlanta area, and it's brisk, almost as brisk, Kevin, as today's conversation is going to be. We got a oh, lot of good stuff to get to, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Down around 30, 35 here, but I'm still in <laughs> Usually you're flying higher than I am, Kevin, but hey, 35 yeah. sounds good too. But Kevin, Today, I'm looking forward to continuing our new Limited Run feature series here. We've been partnering with our friends at Noodle AI on this project, a podcast series entitled Making Better Supply Chain Bets with the Power of Probabilities. Now, we've had some great feedback from our global audience on these conversations thus far. That's always a great thing. And, you know, we've spent a ton of time in the first couple of episodes diving deep into artificial intelligence and with good reason. Oh. But today we're going to be incorporating a lot more supply chain into our technology discussion. And we've got a couple of business leaders, Kevin, that are going to bring it today. So hang on to your hats and get ready for an outstanding conversation. Kevin, you ready to go? Oh, I'm absolutely ready to go. But, you know, I know AI is really important and it's all the rage. But AI starts with real human intelligence. And that's what I really like about how Noodle puts all this together. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. What a great, great t-shirtism on the front end of today's episode, Kevin, <laughs> as always. To get AI, you need human AI. <laughs> with that said, I want to introduce our featured guest here today because Kevin's ready to go. He's, he's already bringing the heat. So today we feature uh, two guests that bring tons of experience in a variety of areas, especially supply chain and technology. In fact, they spent about 10 years working together at a previous organization, developing a close and powerful working relationship while moving mountains in global supply chain. They both have been proponents for years in terms of the potential for artificial intelligence to truly power transformational change in supply chain management and especially supply chain planning. So they were all about AI long before AI was cool. And now they're doing just that, working together again at Noodle AI. So I want to welcome in Tim Krug, Chief Revenue Officer with Noodle AI. Tim, how you doing? Doing great. Great. Thank you, Scott. Great to be here. Great to have you here. And you brought your the other half of your dynamic duo, Trevor Miles, Thought Leader, also at Noodle AI. Trevor, how you doing? Very good. Thank you, Scott. Well, great. It's uh, just a sidebar. It's 72 degrees. Oh, well. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got to go around. So, Sedmitu, so it's the warmest maybe in Portugal where Trevor is. All right, Tim, give us the temp check. <laughs> 52. All right. 52 degrees. <laughs> All right, so Trevor, you get the balmy, nice tropical weather, at least this time of year. So, yeah. I bet it's pretty there it's in Portugal. Time. But great to have y'all here. Uh, really, from doing our homework, the passion y'all both bring in terms of doing business different. We're going to get into a lot of that and what that means in real practical terms, especially in supply chain. So listeners, stay tuned for that. But on the front end, Kevin, yes. I want to give our listeners an opportunity to learn a little bit more about uh, Trevor and Tim. And Tim, 
I'm going to start with you because while you reside in the Nashville area, you're a big Chicago Cubs fan, of course, Major League Baseball team. So what's been one of your favorite experiences either at a Cubs game or as a Cubs fan? Sure. There's a lot of great Cubs memories, and we just relocated down here to Nashville just over two years ago. So grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago, and my by far my favorite memory of being at a Cubs game was actually at Game 7 of the World Series oh, wow. in 2016. I was also at Game 6 of the World Series, so both in Cleveland when hell froze over <laughs> and the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. The 20, 2016, my wife declared going into 2016 that it was going to be the year of the cruise. Yeah. Uh, what an experience. We found out, we found out that we were, gonna, we were pregnant with twins that mm. year, and, and the Cubs won the World Series. So if any listeners are wondering, you can just declare in a couple months that it's going to be the year of you mm. or your family. <laughs> And based on my experience with my wife, it works out. (laughs) Well, you speak it to the universe and it comes to fruition, Tim. That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. Manifest it into reality. It's all about thoughts, man. Mm. Exactly. (laughs) And I did not, just to go back to the Cubs, as a Cubs fan, a true Cubs fan, I had the tickets to game six and game seven. And for those that don't remember, we were down three games to one in the World Series. So when game five rolled around in, in Chicago, I was talking to my wife and saying, <laughs> I, I just hope they lose at this point. I don't want to fly to Cleveland and watch them lose <laughs> the lose World there, Series. Yeah. yeah, just being that this was the opposite of my wife's manifesting things into reality. But she's like, no, have confidence. This is the year of the Krugs. Cubs are going <laughs> to pull it out. And game six and game seven. And yeah, what, what a great memory and having the opportunity to be there in person. Love it. Hopefully we're not waiting another hundred years <laughs> to get a, another world. I love it. That brings two thoughts to mind, Tim. First off, Kevin, before you claim it, I'm going to call 2024 the year of the Lutons. I'm going I'm to go ahead and claim that, Kevin, before you can. And, wow. <laughs> You're fast, man. Second, You're really fast. We try. Not most of the time. But, and then secondly, really quick, Tim, I, th- I want to say Jason Hayward, former Atlanta Brave, hometown player, had a lead, great leadership role in that 2016 Cubs team that went on and changed history. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing and congrats on that big year. And I'm sure plenty since. Kevin, I'm going to get you to comment. I'm gonna, l- l- let's switch over to Trevor. And then I'm going to get Kevin's commentary on this incredible panel we've got here. So Trevor, welcome to the show. Congrats on joining Noodle AI a few months back after doing so many big things in the industry. And before we get into our discussion today, I want to ask you, on your LinkedIn profile, you've got this great quote and this great picture uh, of Frank Zappa. Now, my question is, are you a big fan of the quote? Are you a big fan of Frank Zappa or both? Well, it is both, actually. At one stage, I can say that I had about six of these albums, but no one has albums anymore. (laughs) (laughs) My wife sold those without All the vinyl gone? Uh, No. All the vinyl is gone. (laughs) Uh, My wife, they admitted that... She had sold it for about 150 Canadian dollars, and it was about 30, uh, about 100 feet of of wow. But it was quite amazing. So, but no, the more serious point is the quote. I've always liked 
Zap is a maverick, is always challenging. It has or was and all of this, the challenging capabilities and ideas and all of that. But his quote is the most important thing. You know, mind is like a parachute. Doesn't work if it's not open. Mm. So I think that's a wonderful one. Wow. Right? Oh, that's, Trevor, that's absolutely. Great. And well, Kevin, I'm gonna get you to comment on that because I think you know that is probably one of those universal quotes and points of view that's always relevant, but Gosh, having an open mind here in recent years, it may be more relevant than ever before. Kevin, uh, speak on that or speak yeah. about this collection of panelists we've got here. Well, a, a couple of things. First of all, when you have an open mind, you can also imagine the future. And I think it's really important in the conversation we're going to have, when because when you're thinking about the future, when you're thinking about what's going to happen in the future, when you're thinking about making better bets on what the future mm. will bring, it really takes a, an open mind. It, it also takes a belief in your own capability and to leverage you know, what's happened in the past to improve your vision mm. of the future. And I think that's really yeah. what we're doing here with this probabilistic approach by leveraging mm -hmm. artificial intelligence and putting that together with what really happened in the past to have a much better view, to be a Nostradamus of what's coming mm -hmm. in your own business. That's mm -hmm. what I think is really mm -hmm. important. And that's the importance of having an open mind and a clear mm -hmm. view. That's what I really like about this panel. Yeah. Kevin just raised the dramatic element at play here <laughs> with Nostradamus. Trevor, one quick follow-up question to that. And Kevin well said, so obviously you're a music lover. You, you want to share any, so I hate to hear about your vinyl album collection, but have you bought a recent album that you're a big fan of? What are you tracking right now when it comes to music? Well, I'm, I'm getting into a lot of the Latin stuff on Spotify. So big playlists on Spotify. My daughter's a huge, oh, now I'm going to forget her. Who's the young woman from Nashville? Oh, Taylor Swift. She's a huge uh, Swifty. And <laughs> she, she actually went to Seattle, where my son and daughter in law lived, and went uh, to one of the concerts with them in Seattle. Mm. So we get inundated with Swifty uh, music. And I have to say that some of it's grown on me which I wouldn't have said was possible five years oh, ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I do find she's an interesting young woman and quite a strong character. And talented. So I right echo what you said. Yeah, yeah I really Kevin? must yeah. mean you have a, an open mind if you're, if, uh, you're doing that. <laughs> Actually, I, I heard the other day on NBC News that Brian West yeah. is, is now covering the, quote, Taylor Swift beat. That's his job. Really? Can you imagine that? Yeah. To be a, have a, you're a newscaster, and that's all you get to do is cover Taylor Swift. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it's her world. We just live in it. Right? That's where we are. And But, you know, I'll tell you, incredibly talented musician. And, of course, my daughter is much like mm -hmm. yours, Trevor. Huge, huge fans. Mm -hmm. My family, huge, huge fans. Okay. So, so now we are going to really cover all of our bases today because Taylor Swift made an mm -hmm. appearance in this technology and supply chain leadership conversation we're having. But this great show to meet. is going to be Get top of the charts. Guaranteed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Still great to meet you and Trevor and get to know you all a little bit better here on the front end. So we're going to shift gears, though. we got a lot to get to here today. So, Kevin, as I segue here, have you ever gambled in the casino? You don't have to tell me good or bad, but what's your game? <laughs> 
You know, I actually have gone to a casino quite a bit. You know, my son lives in Vegas, man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I forgot and, that for uh, a second. And in fact, one of the biggest wins, though, weren't in Vegas. I was in New Orleans at the Harris in New Orleans with my wife. And we were waiting. We were doing a show. I was doing a show there. And then I we walked into the casino, Harris Casino. And we just walked to the first slot machine, put a dollar in, and 800 came out. <laughs> and it was like, Did you stop? Oh, we, we did. <laughs> she said, take it, stop. We're not doing anything else. <laughs> and I got the cash and had some dinner and we had to recreate. I forget what movie it was, but she, we went to our hotel room. She sat on the bed and I just threw the cash on top of her two pictures. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're one of the few that stopped while you were ahead, Kevin. That is such a great story. And not to be too dramatic, but we have a great opportunity by leaning into cutting edge technology to not only stop while you're ahead, but continue getting more and more ahead. And that's oh. what we're going to be talking about here today. Yes. So, Kevin, the main topic, really looking at supply chain management through a gambler's eyes and perspective. And a big part of the game is truly making better bets. So we're going to be talking about how embracing and understanding uncertainty is critical to placing better bets and making better decisions, such as as in Kevin's story, stopping while you're ahead and using those winnings for fun things. So I want to build a foundation first, Tim, Trevor, and Kevin. So I bet we've got, just like Kevin, I've tried my hand very poorly in Vegas and other places. I really enjoy that. And I bet we've got some gamblers in our audience and plenty that have never gambled, I bet, that are listening. So to level set, Tim, what can supply chain leaders learn from high stakes gamblers, you think? Yeah, I think the the first thing is just going back to the Kevin story and just thinking about Vegas, even people that haven't been to Vegas is people have a vision of what the casinos look like and all these marble floors and the oxygen being pumped into the room and these huge buffets <laughs> and food. They don't have all this, you know, the, this beauty that they have from giving money away, <laughs> right? They're making money. And I think a lot of supply chain executives today and just looking at even what's happened over the last couple of years with COVID, I think a lot of people feel like the deck is stacked against them. Just like people walking into the mm. casino and seeing that obviously the, the house is winning. The deck is stacked against, against you as a supply chain leader or chief supply chain officer because there's a lot of volatility. There's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of variability that exists in the real world and how you make decisions. And at Noodle, we think that everyday supply chain decisions are the equivalent to placing a bet because you're risking money on the uncertain outcome of a future event. And that's really the definition of betting, right? And so our view and kind of in the title of this podcast is that there is a way, just like high stakes gamblers, and people, there are people that win more frequently than they lose. The house isn't always beating them. And the, their secret sauce is using the power of probability to their advantage to be able to make decisions. And if you make decisions when you're consistently most likely to win over time, if that's your strategy, if you're betting when you have an 80% chance of winning, then over time, you're going to win a lot of money. 
And so that's really what we're trying to help people do is take the power of probabilities and apply it to their decision-making process so that they can make better decisions and get better outcomes. Well said, making better decisions faster that the team and leadership is more confident in. I really appreciate what you shared there. Trevor, what would you add in terms of what supply chain leaders can learn from gambling, high stakes gamblers? Well, Scott, I think they first need to learn and understand that the tools they have been using for a long time do not offer them this opportunity of understanding what the probabilities are. So the best way I can describe what they do right now is imagine you have to take a trip with Google and you use uh, Google Maps and comes up with a, a distance. You live in the Atlanta metro area. Uh, you know that the traffic can get very uh, clogged up at times, etc. So if Google tells you you've got an hour and 13 minutes to go to where your, your destination, when are you going to leave? About five hours early, Trevor. <laughs> exactly. So because there's uncertainty, there's uncertainty in that number, but uh, Google only gives you one number. So you don't know how much to buffer that time because Google doesn't say it's going to be somewhere between an hour and hour 30, in which case if it was a really important meeting, you'd leave an hour and 30 before. But if it was to go and see friends, you'd leave an hour before. But because Google doesn't tell you what that range is, you have no way of making the decision, so you leave five hours early. Mm -hmm. And that's the fundamental thing that's wrong right now. And what Tim is talking about is we lift those probabilities. We make those probabilities available to the people so they can understand how to place their bets. Because it's, there's only a 10% chance of making it why place the bet? If there's an 80% chance of making it, place the bet. Yes. But the existing tools don't tell them that information, so they have no idea. Trevor, I love that example. And Kevin, I'm going to get you to comment. I love that yeah, example okay. because ha having navigated Atlanta traffic for um, you know 20 years oh, now. Oh, you ever been in D.C. There's, traffic? Uh, well, I've heard <laughs> bad things there, and I experienced that a little bit, Kevin. But, you know, kidding aside, that difference between hour and 13 minutes, I think, is the first figure that Trevor used in five hours. Mm -hmm. That three hours and 47 minutes of math is right. It's such a huge opportunity. And let's use it as an opportunity rather than just waste sure. it. It's kind of one of the bigger points Trevor's making. Kevin, what would you add in terms of what Tim and Trevor has shared here? When you think about this, like when you're looking at like a broker, for instance, they always say past performance is mm. no guarantee of the future. When I tell you something, mm. you can't believe it. <laughs> but it, this well, is different, it seems, right? It's We're not trying to guarantee the future. We're just trying to give you some idea yes. of the risk of the future so that you can make smart decisions. So if you're you know, if you're trying to get to an interview, you make sure you leave five hours early. But if it's just to go with your friends or you're doing something that doesn't really have a start or finish time, you can just, you know, take the risk because it doesn't really matter. I, I think being, being smart is about having knowledge of the source of information and the boundaries, what could happen in, in the good side and also what could happen on the bad side so that you can make the decision. Hey, Kevin, I love that. And I love how you 
you very casually kind of mentioned scenarios, different scenario planning opportunities, <laughs> right? That's great. So Trevor, I'm going to come back with you. I'm going to keep here with you. How deterministic planning models constrain supply chain executives, Trevor? So they give hopelessly optimistic estimates of what the supply chain can actually do. Now, you know, some of them go, as we were talking about, essentially making buffers. You were talking about uh, buffering yeah. the time it takes you to travel. And uh, Kevin was talking about risk profile and all of that. But basically what you're trying to do is decide how are you going to make sure that you get to the end point? And this is where people then place the wrong inventory at the wrong place in the wrong quantity because they had no idea what the variability was. They only had one number that the solution gave them. So they're making bad bets the whole time because they have no idea what the probabilities are of winning it. So as a consequence, they always are playing from behind the eight ball to mix metaphors, but <laughs> they're always in this position where they don't know how uncertain it is. And quite honestly, on the other side of Kevin's statement, it's not really risk, but where's the opportunity? This thing we wanted to do might have only 10%, but there's this other egg that's just off site, but it's got an 80% probability, but it looks good. Mm -hmm. So let's go for it. Yes. But they don't have that information at their fingertips, so they can't make those decisions. Trevor, excellent point. And we're putting self-constraints on the performance of an organization by doing that, Trevor. Very self-limiting. Tim, what would you add in terms of these deterministic, more traditional planning models? I just go back to what I alluded to in the beginning is that we find from our conversations with chief supply chain officers that there's just so much frustration that exists that they people feel like they're making these decisions and they're losing. They're making bets and they're losing. And there's a lot of frustration. I think people recognize that the technology that they're using um, that has these deterministic approaches is 30 years old. Like it, the, the fundamental approach to supply chain planning uh, and the math that's being used and how decisions are made is from three decades ago. Like we're living in the 90s, right? <laughs> that's uh, sort of like- Before, um, before Taylor uh, Swift was even born. Yeah. <laughs> that's right? sort of like trying to uh, uh, drive through Atlanta or DC with one of those paper maps, right? You know, <laughs> like this and it doesn't <laughs> change, right? You don't have right. Google yeah. to tell you, when you go in that direction, there's an accident 75% of yeah. the time. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. yeah, so I think there's a, it's almost like a feeling of, I don't know, frustration, mm. sometimes hopelessness, that it's like there, people know inherently that there's got to be a better way yeah. than how we're making decisions right now. And, but they don't have, the information is being withheld from them, right? Like even just some of the topics on risk yeah. or opportunity. Like I, as an executive, I'm making decisions based off of emotion a lot of time. I don't have the, I, I don't know that this decision I'm about to make has a 10% likelihood of winning or an 80% chance of winning. I still, I, I want to have that information at my disposal and be able to evaluate my decisions, not just based off of the outcome of them, mm -hmm. But 
the information that I used to make the decision? Did I, did I make a good decision with the information at hand? And I can live with losses if I knew the information when I was making a decision versus just losing and not having the knowledge of what the risk or opportunity was when I made it, when I made the decision. Excellent point, Tim. And when we gain confidence in the right decisions, a team can really garner more and more organizational confidence. And goodness gracious, you can really move mountains when you've got a confident team with more information or making better and faster decisions mm-hmm. that they're confident in. Kevin, your quick comment before I move on to our next topic. Well, the, the more information you can get, the more coloring of that information, the, the better right. decisions you can make. And it, it also improves the leadership and collaboration a- across the team. And in today's world, it's, it's really all about how your whole business ecosystem works together as a team. So I think that's really key, is that collaboration and leveraging mm-hmm. information to improve collaboration. Great point, yeah. Kevin. And it, modern day supply chain ecosystems, you know, your suppliers, the manufacturers, your customers, right. you name it, everybody, everybody is part of the ecosystem. And that's kind of uh, how we're viewing successful decisions through that prism rather than just one node or, or one segment. Right. It's right. Noma, mm-hmm. that misnomer. It's not a supply chain, right? It's a supply network. Right. Or web, as I've heard. My son's a big Spider-Man fan, so we've had a lot of fun with supply supply webs. All right. So I feel like we could have like a six-hour really fun. So I want to get the adult beverages. We're going to have a long chat. Tim and Trevor, I think Kevin and I are feeling a lot of kindred spirits here. But for the second time. Somewhere in the world, let's make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) See, you know know we're having a lot of fun when I can't get – quite get the next point out. But (laughs) as I referenced Kevin, Tim, and Trevor on the front end, in the first couple episodes of this series, we enjoyed really intriguing and thought-provoking discussions on artificial intelligence. So I want to just level set with both of y'all. And Tim, I'll circle back to you. Why is AI pivotal to reshaping the supply chain landscape and truly, powerfully, practically changing the status quo? When I think about uh, just building off of the the last thing that we were talking about, the legacy technology, the current technology that people are using was based off of the computational power and the cost of compute and memory 30 years ago, right? And that is what people are using to make decisions in their businesses, in the supply chain space. And then in their personal life, they have access to ChatGPT, right? Where it is the culmination of computing power, innovation, transformation, the reduction in cost on on memory and storage and things of that nature. It's those things that have made the power of probabilities usable in supply chain, Mm -hmm. right? And that if you're living in a world where you're constrained on compute and you have to like limit yourselves to lead time is always going to be four days for something, it's, that's the framework that people are still operating in. But we know that AI, practical applications of AI exist in our personal lives. And why can't we apply those same principles to supply chain decision-making? 
And one of the things that I think is so fascinating about this concept of probabilities is that we're all, I think most people listening are probably familiar with ChatGPT and have tested it for themselves. Fundamentally, what it's doing is using probabilities. It's predicting what the, the next word should be used based off of the text that has already been constructed, right? It's, it is a probabilistic system. It is generative AI. And those techniques, right, they aren't just applicable to large language models and text. They're applicable to the supply chain. And we're convinced that it is going to totally transform the way that supply chain leaders and businesses are run. Can, um, yeah. Sure. Can I put a little bit on that statement, though? Sure. Please, Kevin. Because one of the, I guess, growing skill sets in, in this world and is of chat GPT and is called prompt engineering that mm. where you have to figure out what prompts to put into chat GPT so that you could get relevant answers to your problem. So in a way, it mm. seems to me that we're kind of going backwards. It's all about asking the right question as opposed to having all this technology in front of you. So you need to have an understanding of your needs and your business process sensitivities so that you can ask the right question. And without asking the right question, you, the answer really can be gibberish. Is that true? Right. How This seems to be like more important or, or a critical part of this is knowing the business so that you well, can ask the right questions. Is that true? So, yeah. So Trevor, why don't you, if you speak to that and then also continue yes. on about the power of how AI, how pivotal it is to reshaping how supply chain works. Yes. I would start with Kevin's classification of this is going backwards. I think it's going forwards because it requires the people to actually understand the business context mm, yes. as opposed to merely a number context. So I think it's going forward. They need to understand what questions to ask. But quite honestly, I'm going to go way back into history. The first computer I touched was at university. And I can still only touch a type with these six fingers. <laughs> Sound like I me. cannot type with all of my fingers, okay? So in all seriousness, I'd love to have a UI in which I could ask questions and get results that are presented to me without having first specified this to a design engineer who then has to go and put together some description of and bring it back to me and say, is this good enough? And go backwards and forwards in that way. But for me to be able to ask a contextually relevant question to the system and get an answer mm -hmm. back in a manner in which I can consume it, I think is wonderful. That's a, it's a big step forward. But let's go back really to where Tim was starting from. The first point is to make is that emphasize that generative uh, AI is probabilistic. So even within the context of supply chain, it is still probabilistic. Okay. So the contrast here is deterministic versus probabilistic. So generative AI won't tell you what the answer is, but it'll tell you the most likely answer. 
Mm-hmm. So it's telling you what the uh, probability is that you're going to win. And then you can make that decision on, okay, how do I want to scale those probabilities? As you were saying earlier, Scott, or I can't remember, it might have been Kevin. If I'm going for dinner with friends, then, hey, I can have a low cost of failure. Yeah. But if I'm going for an interview, I have a high cost of failure. So, But if you've got those probabilities, you can do that. But I still think that one that's really valuable, the most valuable part of this generative AI is that it is auto-tuning and auto-learning. So let me describe how a deterministic solutions are put into place right now. So when it makes a decision, with an army of consultants to come in, we start turning the dials of the configuration parameters. There's lots of exercise, 18 uh, months is nothing for a, a deployment. And now you have your solution that's running with what happens when the business changes. How often do people go back to those principal dials that they set and question whether those dials are still the right ones? Well, what happens in generative AI is that it's learning. It said, hey, I told Tim to go an hour and 15 minutes before, but he was late. So I need to adjust that to probably an hour and 25 to give him enough. So it's, it's learning from what it's telling the company to do and the results that are generated from that, which is a big, big difference from existing solutions. So I think the combination of that probabilistic, which allows you to then set your risk profile and the regenerative, as we call it, because you're learning, you're updating, I think these are just breakthroughs that people have not experienced in the past. Excellent point, Trevor. I'm going to keep driving a little bit, and then I'm going to circle back, and Kevin, and get your mm-hmm. commentary after mm-hmm. Tim and Trevor address this next one because we, you know, all these conversations have all a good bit, and I think we've really hit on probabilistic planning, easy for them to say, a lot here. So, Tim, I'll circle back to you. If You may want to put a little more definition on that term, but we've already, already kind of implied and spoken to Noodle AI's approach. So if you could put a little color on how y'all define probabilistic planning and how Noodle AI's approach is different than some of the traditional decision-making and planning methodologies that we've been speaking to on the first half of the conversation. Tim? Yeah, so I we're, we're currently thinking about this and typically a, a two-step process because it's no secret that people spend years, and Trevor was alluding to this, and tens of millions of dollars deploying an advanced planning system. And there's, if you look at the market cap of the big competitors to SAP, for example, like Trevor and I's previous employer, over the course of COVID, it has just highlighted the fact that people needed to change. They were looking for a new approach. And so they've invested in advanced planning systems. And we are the first step that we think is that we provide a, a system on top. We complement the current technology investments that they've already made, and we do what we call intelligent correction. So we take the planning results out of their advanced planning system. We take what actually is being executed out of the execution system, and we compute probability, which those systems don't understand, And then we do a a series of steps to try to do this intelligent correction of the plan. 
So we do a demand prediction, we do a supply prediction, we calculate what the value at risk is, the expected value at risk associated with that. And then we generate these corrective actions using the concept concepts that Trevor was saying, reinforcement learning, graph neural networks, and we send those messages back to the planning system or an execution system. So that's, and by doing that, taking that approach where we're an and, we're complementing the current system. One of the things that, that we think will be helpful to the market is you'll always have a view of what was my plan telling me in my current planning system? And then what was the AI? What was Noodle suggesting I should change based off of probabilities? And those things will then be binary. It's either I as the human or the a company took the AI recommendations or I didn't. And there's going to be a financial ledger on a weekly basis. Did I take the action or not? And what was the financial consequence? So in this way, we think that this will give people the confidence in AI is that I will be able to see the financial value of the recommendations that the AI is giving me. Did I get a financial benefit or not? And I think that first step is I, chief supply chain officers or CFOs have a real hard time answering the question of what is the financial value of my advanced planning system? Or even what is the benefit of deploying SAP and doing a S4 HANA upgrade? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is the, what's the business case associated with that? I have to do it. Whereas being able to see this ledger saying, hey, this was what the AI did for me um, last week. So that's the first step. And then the second step of where we're going is instead of just doing intelligent correction of planning systems that are creating plans that aren't feasible to begin with and using probabilities to, to correct them, just transition to a planning system that is probabilistic by nature, that is using generative AI. And so we endeavored to make this a reality in the next 18 to 24 months is be able to give people a what we call regenerative planning system that's capable of replacing their current technology and do end-to-end planning that's based off of generative AI. Tim, that's exciting. I wish wow. I had my shades because it sounds like not only the current state, but the future is bright. Kevin, I knew you were trying to get in a quick comment there. Before I go to Trevor, Kevin, what were you going to share based on what Tim shared? Well, I kind of like Tim's discussion as you can check the ledger, right? It's sort of like, you can go to tape, <laughs> but it, it actually brings to the forefront the cost of decision and non-decision because you can say, okay, I wanted to do this. Noodle AI told me to do that. And I didn't do either one. <laughs> okay. And the ledger will tell you, well, because you didn't make a decision, it cost you this much money. Right. Or you made this decision, it made you this, you made that decision, it made you <laughs> less. So it, it, mm. it seems like Noodle is bringing the holy grail, right? <laughs> Trying to give yeah. you the bottom line on not just decisions you make, but non decisions that you may make. A little Indiana yeah, Jones. Exactly. 
reference there. And and Trevor, I'm coming to you because I want to get you to speak more on what Tim was sharing and the true difference and and competitive advantage of what Indoor AI is doing. But before, I love Tim. One of the themes you're talking about there that we love talking about around here is the power of the and versus the tyranny of the or. I don't know if that makes (laughs) sense to y'all, but I heard a lot of that in what Tim's response. So Trevor, talk about why this is different. Well, there's several ways in which that can be addressed. And we need to start even at Kevin's statement much, much earlier that prompt engineering is coming in, okay? Because it's going to necessitate the people actually use these tools differently. But let me be very careful. I've said for a long time that AI isn't going to take the people out of the process. AI is going to take the robot out of the people. (laughs) Yes, I love that. I do too. I'm going to steal that, Trevor. They're going to be doing different things, but some might need to be upskilled and all of this uh, type of thing. But principally, what AI is going to give them is this ability to ask a lot of questions and get an an end-to-end answer, and with a probability that they're going to be able to arrive at that result. Okay, If they're looking at three different options of doing things, one might look very, very nice from a financial perspective. There's a low probability of achieving it. There's something else that's less like, uh, less fantastic from a financial perspective, but there's a high probability of achieving it. Well, which one are you going to go for? In my opinion, you should go for the one that has the highest probability. Or the other side, which Noodle will be able to do as well, is tell you what's hindering you, the mm-hmm. high value one with low probability, but what's causing you to have low probability. So you can go and make a change to your supply chain in order to improve your probabilities. But if you didn't know what was causing you that low probability, you wouldn't even be able to fix it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these things are going to change the way in which people use systems quite dramatically. Because what I've talked about there is, first of all, the way in which people interact with the system. It will be, I believe, much more of a prompt type of environment. But the other one is it's not just what is my result, because I can't then calculate what other answers I could get. It's, well, what's causing me to get a bad result and how quickly can I fix it? Mm. So that's going to be a big, big change in how we do things. Trevor, wow. I love it. Kevin, I'm going to get you to comment really quick, but I want to make a quick, what I'm hearing, kind of quantification mm-hmm. is another theme here, what Tim and, mm-hmm. and Kevin mm-hmm. and Trevor are all sharing. But, you know, all things are not equal. The cost of not knowing what I'm thinking mm-hmm. after hearing all this is skyrocketing now based on the art of the possible and the opportunities are out there. So Trevor and Tim, this is exciting. Kevin, your quick comment. I know that you love that Trevor's <laughs> quote about uh, it's not going to take the people, I'm paraphrasing, not take the people out, but it take, takes a robot out of yeah. the people. Love yeah, that, Trevor. Yeah, it takes a Kevin? robot out of the people. And it emphasizes what I've been sort of thinking is that this makes, Noodle makes people even more important because it's the people mm-hmm. that, better understand the context of the decision. It's the people that better understand the intangibles that you can't Mm -hmm. put into a system. And it's the the, the context and the intangibles that the the people bring 
that's once again, you're taking the robot out. You're taking out the things that, oh, anything can do, any any software can do. You're really yes. highlighting what the real software <laughs> up there in the head <laughs> can do. Yes. Yes. Very poetic. Exactly. Kevin. Yeah, I think that's one of the things if you follow like Laura Ciceri mm -hmm. and other analysts that talk about this is if you look over the course of the next five to 10 years, the talent gap in supply chain and planning specifically, and a lot of the uh, frustration that new entries into the profession feel because they have this life experience of using like their iPhone yeah. and all this great technology. And then they find themselves like, you know, uh, working in spreadsheets and doing all this gymnastics, like moving data around. And, and that's the robot yeah. that Trevor's talking about mm -hmm. that we're trying to take out of the people. And I think that is going to give people way more job satisfaction because they're going to be able to make decisions uh, with a better understanding of the value that they're driving for the business, right? Instead of just like sitting in the silo and moving number and having no idea, you know, staring at the, the spreadsheet, right? <laughs> yeah. Not very fulfilling. All right. So Tim, right. let's stick yeah. with you for a second. Cause I want to get you to speak to the, so what here, right? So if we have list listeners out there that haven't bought into anything we've shared yet, I know you've got your finger on the pulse cause you're working with organizations with, that have really seen some real tangible benefits by leveraging probabilistic planning, of course, things you are doing at Noodle AI. So give us some of those examples, if you would, Tim. Yeah, the easiest way I, I think about this, the reason to do anything um, in business is to make money or save money, right? And so on the making money standpoint, by having this type of information available to us, getting the right inventory to the right location at the right time, that is providing uh, service that's hitting your OTIF metric on time in mm -hmm. full. That's making sure that you have the right things at the right place so you can capture the revenue opportunity. And during the, the COVID times, this is what most people were focused on because people were operating in a supply constrained environment, particularly in consumer packaged goods, right? Everybody was stocking their pantries with stuff and it's a lot of companies that we were engaged with at that time and now they were just making everything that they could because oh, yeah. the perception was that people were going to buy it. I just, let's keep the factory rolling and get things out there. And the worst case scenario is I'm not going to be able to capture revenue, right? And so by using these techniques and using the power of probabilities, um, at that time, we were helping people capture revenue opportunity deliver on their service expectations, avoid being fined from their partners for not meeting the service expectations. What we're seeing now is as people have come out of this and now we're operating in more of a demand constrained environment, it's all about cash, mm. you know, right? And um, trying to make better decisions to improve working capital. And so in today's world, that's the impact that we're seeing is if I can improve my forecast accuracy, for example, by using some of the AI techniques even on, on the demand side, and I can get 10, 15, 20% more accuracy on forecasts, that means that 
I'm not going to have inventory that I need to stock at a location that's going to potentially be excess or obsolete. I'm not going to have to carry that inventory and pay inventory carrying costs. So it's very common when we look at the financial ledger that I was talking about Mm -hmm. and being able to see the financial impact that the AI is having on business decisions for us to be able to show gross margin impact in tens of millions of dollars over the course of monthly increments, right? We have uh, a few customers who, when they look at their financial ledger, they're seeing over $250 million of benefit over the course of the last year in terms of the AI recommendations that they've accepted and what that's meant to their business. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's the year of noodle AI is what I'm hearing there, Tim. Goodness. All right. So, Kevin, I'm going to get you a quick comment here. I know, Tim, earlier was we were kind of all picking on the 90s a bit. But one of the things I heard Tim talk about, I'm going to take it back to the 80s, good old video game pitfall. One of the tangible benefits here is being able to avoid some of those horrible decisions that will lead to a financial pitfall in, in many ways. Kevin, what did you hear there, though? Well, I hear you can avoid not only the pitfalls, but avoid the mistakes of others and maybe even the mistakes that you've made before because <laughs> you can see it. it it's, it's like in your face. <laughs> you know, you're going to be, you know, stupid again. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's keeping it real. I love that. And that's a great segue, Kevin, because I'm, as I bring Trevor back into the conversation, as always, you're going to get the frank, honest assessment here at Supply Chain Now. So, Trevor, tell us, what's the real cost, you think, for organizations and their leaders that cling, again, that word, cling to traditional deterministic models? The biggest uh, cost is the slowness to react to changing business environments, okay? Because there's a company I used to work with, which I loved, uh, which was using a solution which we both loved. But what happened is... They've got a long supply chain that starts in China and Japan, and actually in this case, and ended in South America. Went through four different ERP systems, all of this type of stuff. The problem was they were fairly small semiconductor purchaser, but they were putting more and more conductors into their finished equipment. But because they were a small buyer, they didn't get forward visibility of what the availability was. And they were just lifting the lead times out of the ERP system. And the ERP system didn't notice that the semiconductor supplies were taking longer and longer to arrive. So those standard lead times go into the planning system. The planning system doesn't know that the lead times are getting longer and longer. Context. So it just keeps on planning for those shorter lead times. And they get to 18 months later, which is the length of their supply chain. And all of a sudden, they don't have enough stuff to send to their customer because they couldn't they couldn't buy the semiconductors 18 months ago. So now if you bring in an AI system that's learning the whole time, monitoring, it can see automatically that, hey, the semiconductor lead time is increasing. So let's go in and make sure we buy earlier and earlier and earlier, okay? So these are some of the fundamental, easy to describe issues. And it's the same on the demand side, where demand can be changing, but uh, the system is just really slow to understand that, hey, we've got a capacity constraint uh, in a certain environment, and 
this demand is, is taking place in another region, so we've got to ship it over there, but we don't have enough truck. People are just too slow to understand what those problems are. But if you could raise the information, let the AI actually work out what these constraints are and redirect the system based upon what's really happening on the ground, they get so much further forward in a very short period yeah. of time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind adding adding something on this. I think the other thing that what we're finding is that with all the oxygen that's given to AI right now, chief supply chain officers, executives, CEOs, CFOs, they're being asked by their the board, right? What are you going to do? Right. Because <laughs> right? yeah. we're, I mean, Bill Gates wrote in March of this year, the age of AI has begun. And in the in that writing, he talked about in his lifetime, he's been blown away by technology twice. One was in 1980 when he saw the graphical user interface for the first time, which then created the whole strategy of Microsoft, right? And led to his personal wealth, basically. And the, the second time was when uh, OpenAI and ChatGP demonstrated beating an AP biology exam with ChatGPT, yeah. right? And that was something he challenged them to do. He thought it was going to take them years. They came back in a few months and showed him how it, it could beat this, this exam. And so like we're in the age of AI and it's going to change the way people work. And businesses are going to distinguish themselves by how they use it. And if they, businesses don't figure out how to use AI, they're going to be leapfrog. They're going to be left behind, right? And so I think that's the other thing that is kind of aligned with what Trevor was saying is like that you have to get started on this now. Right. I mean, the, the next three to five years. I mean, imagine how much it's going to change. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. three years from yeah. now. So Tim, uh, Kevin, I'm get your comments, but I want to. Tim gave me a little '80s reference there of <laughs> leapfrogging, of frogger. You diving, uh, dodging all the supply chain disruptions, <laughs> right? But secondly, the the cost clearly is much bigger than what most folks are even even thinking yeah. about. And Kevin, you yeah. and I had a conversation the other day. I want to get your comment here because it illustrates the, the point Tim and Trevor are making. Research shows that the companies that are truly embracing cutting-edge technology, they were lapping the laggards at a 2x point. Now that has grown, research indicates, to about 5x. So Tim and Trevor are not they are not blowing smoke here. This is what's happening. Kevin, your quick comment. So what Trevor highlighted is the importance of change and accelerating change. Mm -hmm. I mean, business in the past, and I'm talking maybe 10 years ago, was more static than it is today, mm -hmm. right? And deterministic models work well mm -hmm. in a static environment because you have time to modify those variables yeah. But in today's world, change is constant, it's guaranteed, and it's accelerating. So deterministic yeah, yeah. models just don't work anymore. That's why this probabilistic yeah. approach is so critical to any, any business in, in today's world. Because if you don't take into account change, like that lead time going from five days to five months, yeah then you'll mm -hmm. run up against the wall. So uh, I think yes. that's the key here. The probabilistic 
enables change, your ability to avoid like that Frogger, those <laughs> yeah. supply chain uh, issues. Oh, yeah. Kevin, I'm glad you embraced my video game analogies. I got one more for you. We can't approach global supply chain like it's the age of Pong. Yes. It is the age of pli- PlayStation 5 and beyond, and, and we, we can't yeah. fool ourselves. But, it is the, it, but, Scott, it is the age of Pong. <laughs> is that, oh, I got it. Oh, Trevor, I got it. I got it. I guess I'm challenging folks not to, not to stick their head in the sand and pretend and buy into that. So, yeah. Trevor, excellent point there. Okay, this is a really great conversation. I want to kind of, um, you know, we've we've dabbled a little bit here on the future. It's mm-hmm. crept in our conversation throughout. The, the exciting news is a lot of what we're talking about here today is available to you here today, to right. all the leaders out in our audience. But Tim, let's talk about what lies ahead in supply chain. Talk more about how these uncertainties that Kevin, you know, Kevin was just referencing all the certainties and how that leans into maybe. Uh, it makes it easier to keep doing business as it's been done. But, but man, these uncertainties are really shaping the future of supply chain management. Talk to us about that, Tim. Yeah, I would say that we find that a lot of people, they know that they want to get started on something. They know that they want to change. They just don't know how. Mm-hmm. They know that they want to try testing artificial intelligence and have practical applications of invoking these techniques into their business. And one of the the ways that we try to help facilitate that is what we call like taking the AI challenge or we'll bet you that we can help you place better bets, right? Take us up on it. (laughs) All right. What an outstanding conversation here, Tim, Trevor, and Kevin really have enjoyed it. It's always invigorating to sit with people and talk shop with people that are changing how the game is played for the better. And for all the practitioners out there that are in the trenches that want to win, but sometimes they're constrained by how we've always done business. And that's not what we're talking about here. So, Tim, if folks want to lean in to doing business like it's 3023, not as if it's 2023. How can folks get started here today? What are some of those first steps you would suggest? Sure. That's a great question, Scott. So we find that people are desperate to test applying these techniques into their business, but oftentimes don't know how to get started. And so we want to challenge people to engage with us and take what we call the AI challenge. Allow us to prove to you that we bet you that we can help you place better bets. And one way that's really easy to prove in a short period of time is using our AI models to be able to improve the, their demand signal, right? If you think about the supply chain and how people are generating plans, like it's, it starts with demand, right? And if you're, if you're making bad decisions on the demand signal, or you're making bad bets on the demand signal, it's cascading across your network or your web, Scott, as your, as your son would say. <laughs> and so we have a, an approach we call the AI challenge, which is an assessment where we can prove to you over the course of typically somewhere around four to eight weeks, depending on your, the scope that we define, of how we can generate a significantly better forecast that can have measurable financial impacts on your business. That's the easiest way to get started, but don't hesitate to go to noodle.ai to find out more information on everything that has to do with our company or contact me or Trevor Miles on LinkedIn 
And we'd be happy to have a conversation there or schedule a meeting to discuss all the concepts that we've talked about with probabilistic planning or what we're defining as regenerative supply chain planning. I love that. And hey, that AI challenge, that's gold. I know a certain big beverage company that rolled out a challenge a while back that worked out really well for them too. So I look forward to playing, leaning into the AI challenge. Trevor, what would you add to that, especially in terms of helping our, some advice around how can folks get started? Yes. So what is interesting with AI as it's uh, come about is it's given a new leg uh, to IT. And we find all of these smaller teams that have been formed inside of organizations that are focusing on AI in the IT organization. But there's a lot more to AI and making it a productive uh, system for the entire organization than a few lines of Python code. It has to have a whole structure around it of ingesting data, learning, uh, being able to uh, understand the changes in, in terms of the learning pattern, how often you need to auto-tune it. All of that work is really, really important as well. So to any business leader, they should really think about coming to a vendor that can provide them that whole suite of capabilities. But the other thing I want to leave you with is this idea that imagine you've got a 1980, since we're in the 80s, 1989, Volkswagen Golf, and we'll even make it a diesel. And now you come along and somebody says, oh, well, we want to put an electric engine in it. So how easy would it be to now make that old Volkswagen Golf diesel into an EV? It's not easy, okay? There's a lot that has to change. And this is why Noodle being built ground up from the principles of AI and probabilistic planning, that is so much more important in all of the architecture that we deliver, rather than trying to retrofit a solution that was developed 30 years ago and now try and get it to adopt all ideas around AI and probabilistic planning. So those two aspects, I think, are really important to keep in mind. Trevor, home run uh, between you and Tim here today. Really enjoy what Noodle AI and appreciate the big impact and growing impact Noodle AI is making. Kevin, when you think about all the ground, all, the whole mm-hmm. conversation we've had here today, before we make sure folks know how to connect with Tim and Trevor, although Tim's already given a sneak peek there because mm-hmm. Tim's always ahead of the curve. I've learned about Tim Crew. <laughs> Kevin, what's probably what's your thinking? Fa- <laughs> 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 Kevin, what's one of your favorite takeaways from this conversation with Tim and Trevor here today? I think my biggest takeaway is in the real world, nothing happened instantaneously. Um, so you have to ride the curve and probabilistic mm. approach is the way to ride the curve. So if you want to work mm. in a real world, don't be deterministic, be probabilistic. That's right. <laughs> Just about rhymes too, Kevin. I love it. All right. <laughs> oh, do they are going to change that as a tagline now? <laughs> It may, who knows? They're changing a lot of good stuff. My royalties. I want my royalties. (laughs) Well, hey, there's been a lot of what we call around here t-shirt-isms here today, right, folks? Uh, Some brilliant, succinct 
mantras and MOs and perspectives have been dropped. Really have enjoyed it. And really, it's become a hallmark of this series. So big thanks to Tim and Trevor, to you both and the Noodle AI team for partnering with us on this series. To our, all of our listeners out there, the smartest audience across the globe, stay tuned to, to the next episode and what promises to provoke more thoughts, supply chain, technology, and a whole lot more. And let us know what you think. So Tim, really quick, you've already kind of laid it out there. Uh, you've got some good stuff out there on LinkedIn. In fact, I came across this. I want to quote you before I, I thank you. Quote, don't be a sucker for fixed rules. Tilt the odds in your favor by supercharging <laughs> your tech stack with purpose built. AI. That's great. Tim, end quote. Yeah. I love that. So how can folks, you know, you invite folks to connect with you at LinkedIn or check out noodle.ai. Is that right, Tim? That's right. You can also uh, reach out to me via email at Tim dot Krug, K-R-U-G, at noodle.ai. Happy to talk about all things supply chain or the Cubs and <laughs> yeah. our chances, our probability of winning the World Series okay. in uh, 2024. Tim's got those answers. In fact, Tim, I'm going to get my winning lottery pickets, ticket yeah. numbers from <laughs> y'all later. But really appreciate, Tim. The age of Krug continues. But Trevor, Great to have you here. Great to finally meet you. I've heard so much and have came across a lot of your thought leadership over the years. Really appreciate in particular, Trevor, to your passion when it comes to helping customers achieve frictionless, one of my favorite words, resilient and sustainable supply chains that create value and real competitive advantage. And you are doing that by the truckload. So Trevor, how can folks connect with you? Same thing, Trevor, Doc Miles. I don't have to spell my last name, I don't think. <laughs> Trevor.miles at noodle.ai is the easiest way. LinkedIn is a very good way as well. There are always lots of good conversations taking place in, in LinkedIn about uh, supply chain in general, AI in specific, and Noodle in particular. Agreed, agreed. Really appreciate yeah. But all that you and Tim both have brought here today, Tim Krug, Chief Revenue Officer with Noodle AI, and Trevor Miles, a big thought leader, also with Noodle AI. Thank you both. Kevin L. Jackson, what an episode here today. Powerful. Big thanks. Oh, this definitely. And, and what I love about this, yeah. to your point, Kevin, is it's not theoretical. It's no, real. It's actual. They're doing it now. Yeah. So yes. big thanks to Kevin L. Jackson, host of our Digital Transformers with Kevin L. Jackson here, part of our Supply Chain Now family. Kevin, how can folks connect with you? As always, Kevin at KevinLJackson.com or just go to Supply Chain Now where you can see our latest, right. the latest shows. And on LinkedIn, I'm there talking with all of the thought leaders like Trevor and Tim. So thank you. I'll see you Man. there. The Movers and Shakers. All right. Great episode here today. Big thanks once again to our collaborative partners over at Noodle AI. We look forward to the next episode of this series, Making Better Supply Chain Bets with the Power of Probabilities. Okay. To our listeners, though, the onus is on you now. You, Tim and Trevor and Kevin have brought it today. Take something they dropped here today and these truckloads of brilliance and put it into action. Your people will appreciate it. They want to succeed. Give them what they need to go bigger and, and really grab hold of the art of possible in a headlock and run with it. So with that said, on behalf of the whole, whole Supply Chain Now team, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, get forward, and be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. 
See you next time on Supply Chain Now.